Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. When Leanne Brown moved to New York from Canada to earn a master's degree in food studies at New York University, she couldn't help but noticing the big problem of food insecurity. 46 million Americans have to survive on $4 a day. That's the amount provided through the SNAP, or the U.S. government food stamp program. In addition, millions more live under similar constraints. Students, grads entering the job market, young families, some retirees. Struck by these alarming numbers, she asked herself a critical question. How well can someone really eat on $4 a day? To determine the answer, she took to her kitchen, developing recipes made of whole, unprocessed foods that promote the joy of cooking and that show just how delicious and inspiring a cheap meal can be when cooked at home. And the result is a book, Good and Cheap, Eat Well on $4 a Day. Leanne Brown joins us today for Access Utah. Welcome to the program. Hi, Tom. It's great to be here. Great to have you uh, with us. Uh, so you, uh, you grew up in Edmonton, did you? That's right, exactly. Yeah, in Canada. Um, I all, Actually, it's funny. I so often, when I am explaining to um, Americans where Edmonton is, I usually say that it is due north of Salt Lake City. And then they <laughs> good, yeah. Well, so, <laughs> <laughs> so for those in Utah who don't know, that's a good reference. Um, and then uh, you decided you wanted to get into food studies. Uh, got into New York University. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that was actually the reason that we moved to New York in the first place, was that the food studies program really spoke to me. Before that, I had been working in, um, after I graduated with an arts degree, I began working for the city of Edmonton, actually, um, working in city politics. And although uh, there was so much uh, that I loved about that work, I felt really great about doing it. It was also not really... um, within my control to sort of choose the issues that I was working on on a given day in city politics, you sort of end up having to respond to what people really need from you, um, which is really important and wonderful. But I found myself wanting to dive into issues around food policy more and more, and I couldn't sort of sate my desire for that uh, in that current position. And so I knew I needed to move on and try to pursue that. And the food studies program uh, at New York University really just spoke to me as exactly the right way to sort of start figuring out how to do that. So what drew you to food policy? I think, I, you know, it's hard to say. It really just seemed fascinating to me. I think food has always been uh, a big part of my life. Um, and although I've, I always sort of wanted to work in food, I never wanted to be a chef. And I think that... Um, what I really want is to spread sort of the joy of cooking and, and to have other people be able to cook meals for themselves, much as I absolutely love having friends and family over and putting delicious food in front of them and sharing it with them and having them say, oh, this is great. I get a lot more pleasure, to be honest, out of um, when I give someone an idea for something to make and they make it themselves and say how much they like it. Um, and then beyond that, I just think food is uh, its such an important language and uh, it's something that brings us all together, and it's just it's just been something that I've been attracted to for as long as I can remember. So you um, you encounter these numbers, at least in the United States, and I don't know if the numbers would be similar in Canada and other nations, but uh, right. 46 right. Well, million Americans. Right. Well, certainly food insecurity is a, a 
huge issue in Canada as well, but our population is is so much smaller. I often, just to put those numbers that you mentioned in perspective, 46 million people are, are on food stamps in the United States, and the entire population of Canada is 35 million people. So it's really an incredible number of people mm. living in the situation. Well, it is. That does put it in perspective, doesn't it? Um, so the, you, you chose this, uh, the $4 a day, that's the amount provided through the uh, uh, supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, what's commonly known as the food stamp uh, program. But but many others, not on food stamps, are also food insecure or, or close there, too. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and so that's why, I mean, really, <laughs> my it started out, as I think you mentioned, uh, the cookbook started out good and cheap as my thesis project. So it was my final project in uh, when I graduated in December of 2013 from the Food Studies Program. And uh, and it was it was sort of a smaller scale project. I thought maybe I would um, shop it around to a few different nonprofits in New York City and uh, try to maybe do a very small print run, uh, get it out to a few people directly, maybe have a nice event, that kind of thing. I never really imagined that it would take off in the way that it did. Um, and, and so initially, you know, I started trying to work with nonprofits, um, didn't really get anywhere with that for a few months, and just decided to put it online and make it free. Because as you mentioned, you know, there's not only the 46 million people who are on food stamps, but so many others who could benefit from this information. And that's, you know, borne out in so many of my experiences. But sort of at that point, a few months after graduating, I was a little bit down and kind of thinking, maybe no one really does want this. But I just thought I'd make it freely available on my website. And a few weeks later, um, it ended up on a Reddit post, and it went, it became really popular um, for viewers who aren't familiar with, uh, with Reddit. It's this very, very, very popular website with millions and millions of users, um, and it's sort of the place where a lot of things start when they go viral. And that's what happened with this. Um, overnight, about 50,000 people downloaded the cookbook, and I started receiving zillions of emails and messages saying um, that they, all kinds of people from all kinds of different walks of life were really appreciating the book, and they, uh, they thought it was a good idea, and uh, it was incredibly encouraging and kind of alarming, actually. It initially broke the website, and uh, suddenly I had people saying, oh, I can't download this. What am I supposed to do? And um, it was really just because so many people had come to it so quickly. Did you uh, think going, then you went to your kitchen, started, you know, started cooking with this goal, $4 per person uh, per day. Did, did you think... You're going to be successful. That uh, this would be possible. No, I mean when I was really developing the recipes, this is sort of when you know I was still in school and I was I was doing it um, at least the initial stuff for uh, for my thesis project. And ultimately, what I wanted was I wanted to do a thesis project that would matter and that would sort of live a little bit beyond and outside of academia. And so I, while I wanted it to be the best possible thing it could be, you know, so many people, of course. When you're doing a thesis project, you're spending so much of your time and energy. And in some ways, it's this great opportunity to sort of do something that I was thinking, you know, I may not have the opportunity in my life again to really devote myself to something that I think should exist that I think maybe currently doesn't exist in the right form. You know, I may not have that opportunity again. So I just really wanted to um, put as much into it as I could and hope that the outcome was something that would uh, be of use to a wide variety of people. Um, so no, I didn't, I certainly didn't have any 
idea that, you know, I would be talking with you today, um, a year and a half later, and almost 800,000 people would have downloaded the cookbook. Um, There's, you know, absolutely not. Um, But I did, you know, I really just wanted to create something that was useful. And when I mentioned, you know, the first time when the book went viral, um, this is before, um, after that I launched a Kickstarter to fund a print run of the cookbook, and that was last summer uh, before this sort of final version, which we have now, which is um, the fully published Workman uh, Workman Publishing Edition, which is you know available in bookstores and online. Um, at each time that I have worked on the book, I've been able to hear from so many people who've given me incredible feedback, and that's allowed me to sort of iterate on the book and uh, you know add recipes and add new information that people have wanted. So, sort of making it really freely available for people to comment. Really, um, you know, I love that the PDF is free. Um, of the of the Kickstarter edition of the book, and as a result, you know, people can immediately see it, and they can comment on it, and they can tell me what they think about it, and um, that's been an incredibly useful experience for me, you know, as a writer. One of the things that strikes me about the book, and uh, you say this in your introduction, that uh, kitchen skill, not budget, is the key to to great food. We've yes. We've gotten, as I reflect on this, you said something on your your uh, your well-stocked kitchen, your kitchen implements. We'll get to that a little later. But uh, you mentioned, well, these are things that, you know, Grandma had <laughs> and that a lot of, a lot of us don't exactly. have. We've gotten away from that, haven't right. we? In a way, you're getting back to that and trying to encourage us that we can get back to the kitchen, and it's not that intimidating. For sure. For sure. Well, and I think that that's sort of the thing. This, um, I think sometimes people can think this, you know, eat well on four dollars a day, or you know, how can anyone possibly eat well on this? It seems sort of ridiculous. Um, but the fact is that if you can cook, you can make incredible food out of so little. The actual price of um, our basic foods is incredibly inexpensive. Um, what you know, creates that value is the amount of effort that we put into it in, in the kitchen. And what I want to do is open up that world to people because I love it so much, and I think it can just create so much value in your life and create so much enjoyment in your life. I think that food should be this incredible pleasure. It should be this wonderful thing that we all get to do three times a day and that everyone should feel like they have control over it. And that really starts in the kitchen because that's sort of the great equalizer. You know, not all of us have a lot of money to spend on um, sort of expensive, fancy ingredients, but if you can cook, you can make something wonderful out of, you know, some rice, a can of tomatoes, and some dried beans. You can have an incredible meal on the table. And I just wanted to sort of show that in as many ways as possible. And um, that's one of the reasons that the uh, that the recipes are all very flexible. You know, there's no sort of, oh, this is the perfect way to do something and you should do it exactly this way. I really encourage people to substitute what they have on hand, um, follow their taste, sort of work with whatever happens to be in season, work with whatever they happen to most enjoy or what they've been given. Um, These are, you know, and I think that that comes with just practice and sort of getting comfortable and confident in the kitchen and knowing that um, that you can do it and that it matters and that it's really not all that difficult. I think um, sometimes we worry so much that, you know, to cook you have to sort of have 
you know, a culinary degree, you have to do all these things, when in fact, you know, certainly there are chefs who elevate cooking to this incredible art form, and it's amazing, but absolutely anyone can cook a good meal that they'll really enjoy and that uh, can bring themselves in and those around them and their family happiness. I mean, that is absolutely available to all of us, and it's just a matter of sort of reconnecting with that. Now, can everyone get a hold of these whole uh, unprocessed foods? You hear about some inner-city neighborhoods that don't have the the grocery store, and, you know, you got to go to right. your 7-Eleven to get the, the processed food, and, and, and that's self-defeating because it's more expensive and not as healthy. Can, can everyone get this? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and that's a huge, I think, the issue of, uh, I think what you're alluding to is what is usually called a food desert. And it's either, you know, sometimes it's inner city neighborhoods, or um, sometimes it's actually newer neighborhoods on the outskirts of town that sort of don't have amenities yet. Sometimes it's rural communities. There's a lot of situations in which it can actually be very difficult to get access to good food. Um, Whether, you know, there's no grocery store, there's no market, there's no... um, or, you know, there's only a corner store um, or a bodega or whatever. Um, absolutely, those uh, that's a reality. It's something that um, I studied very a lot when, uh, when I was getting my degree. And luckily, I have all kinds of wonderful colleagues who I know are working, uh, working steadily on these issues. And I think there's a lot of awareness around them and a lot of great work going on. Um, I know in Philly, uh, there's, they have this really incredible program. Um, the Food Trust is this local organization that has this really cool program working with corner stores in underserved neighborhoods to really get fresh food um, into the into the bodegas. And what they've done is really just make an effort to work with um, the store owners to sort of make it possible for them because they recognize that often, you know, these store owners would love to carry fresh foods. They want to serve the neighborhood. They want to be helpful to their communities. Um, but for the most part, the barrier is just sort of figuring out how to do that and, and how to do that in a way where where, you know, they'll make sure that people will buy it and they won't be buying food that will then, you know, just sort of go off and, and be a waste for them. So it's sort of about working together um, to make that viable. And there are all kinds of other incredibly exciting um, other initiatives that are going on all over the country to address these issues. Um, but I don't think, the fact is I don't think that a cookbook can really solve an issue like that. I think that's mm-hmm. deeper, that's really deep policy uh, that needs to, to sort of happen there. Um, you know, political will, we need to move forward with, uh, with these kinds of things. However, I think one way that uh, I attempted to address that in the book is just to acknowledge that that is a reality. And, and also, that's one of the reasons, again, that the the recipes are flexible because sometimes you're not going to be able to get some of these foods. And I tried as much as possible to use really common ingredients for the most part for the bulk of the recipes, you know, banana pancakes, um, you know, rice with sort of basic vegetables, you know, peppers and onions and things like that, not too much crazy stuff, um, not stuff that sort of requires a whole foods down the block. Well, let's uh, take a break here coming up sh- uh, shortly. When we come back, I want to talk about you have on this uh, on your blog you have a guest author, Amy Gonzalez, uh, who there's a there's, sounds like an intriguing program in Minneapolis called Alma. Um, oh, right. La- Latino students who are using this, and they're sounds like they're ad- ad- adapting your recipes uh, to make it kind of more traditional to their culture. But they're they're excited about uh, using some of your recipes and some of your principles here. Uh, but before we go to break, I wonder if you'd uh, just take us briefly through uh, one one of your dishes. Maybe you know not not in the details. We'll have them go. Go to your uh, your website, which is uh, leannebrown.com, right? But uh, what? Maybe pick something yep, for us. Absolutely. What? Yep. 
just my name, L-E-A-N-N-E, brown, like the color, dot com. And, of course, you can, get, uh, you can get the free PDF there. You can get all kinds of information. And I try to keep it updated with uh, the different nonprofits that we're working with um, yeah. as well, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, is, there, so, uh, is there one sure. you'd like we, to pick you'd out? Would you like me to, yeah. to go through one of the recipes quickly? Sure. Well, yeah. how about uh, one of the things that I've been making a lot lately because it's uh, the late summer and we have all this wonderful um, summer produce is uh, panzanella salad. It's a... Basically, it's a really old-school Italian salad, and you take old bread, you know, that's sort of gotten hard from being a couple days old, the kind that you would sort of knock against the countertop and not really (laughs) be able to use for anything else, and you Mm -hmm. tear that up, and you throw in fresh, juicy tomatoes, some um, cucumbers, maybe grapes or other fruits that you happen to have around if you um, if you have it around, but you can absolutely just use tomatoes and cucumbers are fabulous or any other really juicy vegetables. And you throw a little bit of um, either just a regular vinaigrette or I do a slightly spicy version with a chili pepper, and you just let the bread soaks up, that old tough bread acts like a sponge and it soaks up all that incredibly delicious juice and you have just this amazing salad that's just such an incredible uh, summer lunch. It's it's extraordinarily refreshing and delicious and I've been making it like crazy lately. And of course it's very cheap. (laughs) Yeah, that does sound good and refreshing. We'll have you, uh, you know, go through a a few others of these as we go along. Um, Some of these are, you know, uh, after my own heart, you say one of your favorites is, uh, I think what, if if you had a last meal on earth, it'd be uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup, which is, yes, which I think, is, I think I'd agree. That's a, that's a great, great comfort <laughs> food, yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll get to some more of these recipes. Good and cheap. Eat well on $4 a day is the book. Leanne Brown is the author. She's with us. I should mention that uh, Leanne Brown is coming to Salt Lake, which is due south of Edmonton, her hometown. Uh, Salt Lake... Uh, and that appearance is on September 17th. That's a Thursday. It's 7 o'clock in the evening at the King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City. Uh, so she'll be uh, giving a presentation, signing her book. And uh, there, as, as any place, uh, if you buy a copy of the book, uh, for every co- a book you buy, we'll, they'll donate a book uh, to someone who needs it. Um, so that's an o- offer. And uh, they're partnering in Salt Lake with the Anti-Hunger Action Committee at the Cross Reserve and Center and the Salt Lake Community Action Partnership Head Start. A couple of great organizations in, uh, in Salt Lake. More following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and USU's Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services. Committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians. Located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout the state. Utah Governor Gary Herbert recently ordered state agencies to end the distribution of federal funds to the Planned Parenthood Association of Utah. And Utah Public Radio wants to hear from you. Have you used Planned Parenthood? Are you familiar with their services? What is your story? Share your knowledge and become a source for the Utah Public Insight Network, a new collaborative effort between UPR and the Salt Lake Tribune. Information you share could help our reporters create more in-depth stories and could direct conversation and on-air coverage of the Planned Parenthood defunding. Join UPIN today and help us discover our most valuable source, you. Visit upr.org and click on Become a Source. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. My guest for the hour is Leanne Brown. 
She moved to New York from Canada to earn a master's degree in food studies at New York University and, of course, was faced with the big problem of food insecurity. Learning about this, 46 million Americans have to survive on only $4 a day. That's the amount provided through, through the U.S. government food stamp program. In addition, millions more live under similar constraints. Students, uh, grads entering the job market, young families, retirees sometimes. And uh, struck by those alarming numbers, she asked herself a critical question. How well can someone really eat on $4 a day? And the answer is her book, Eat Well on $4. Uh, that's the subtitle, Eat Well on $4 a Day. The title is Good and Cheap. Uh, Leanne Brown will be in Salt Lake City on September 17th. It's a Thursday, 7 o'clock in the evening at the King's English Bookshop. You're welcome to attend that uh, free event. And uh, you can find out a lot more about this at Leanne Brown's website, which is leannebrown.com. Leanne is L-E-A-N-N-E, leannebrown.com. So, uh, Leanne Brown, I, I think we're our, we have sort of a... I don't know, it's a, it's a battle, it's a tension, uh, conflicting agendas between what some people see as the problems with the processed food industry. And a lot of, a lot of us have been sucked into that, and it, you know, it's, it's fast and uh, convenient. Uh, but a lot of people are trying to get away from that, get to unprocessed foods, whole foods, back to the joy of cooking, and you're, you're part of that, that. But we have a list here. <laughs> Um, my producer helped me to make up this list. So I'm going to ask you how we find balance between all of these recommendations. That uh, all of us, you know, A lot of us are conscientiously trying to follow this. So sure. we're supposed to eat local, eat whole, eat fresh, right. <laughs> eat organic, eat inexpensive, eat fast, eat slow, eat to gain energy, eat to lose weight. How do, <laughs> and our heads spin. What, how do we find balance? Oh, man, of course it, it does. Um, yeah, I think you're pointing out something so important. I think there's, you know, everyone I think is thinking what you're doing. You know, who do I listen to? What really, uh, what really works? You know, how am I going to be um, a healthy person and a happy person and enjoy food and not obsess over it and not worry about it um, and not fear for myself or my family? I think... You know, one so much of what drove me to make this cookbook and um, what drives me, you know, every day, and why I've been so delighted by the response to this is that, you know, cooking or food doesn't need to be so unbelievably complicated. I think uh, everybody wants to be able to eat well. I think that is pretty much universal. Everyone wants to eat well. Now, the way that we all define eating well, I think, changes based on taste and situation. Um, however. It doesn't need to be so tremendously uh, complicated. It really comes down to sort of rejecting that notion that um, anyone else is sort of in control of, of the way that we, uh, we eat and we see ourselves and getting back into the kitchen and realizing that, you know what, I can make a better fettuccine Alfredo than, you know, the frozen box. Um, I can make a better fettuccine Alfredo than at the restaurant because it's going to be my version. Um, I think so much of sort of being able to ignore all of those messages, you know, that you mentioned that are conflicting, that are confusing, um, is a lot more possible the more sort of we learn about ourselves through cooking and through just practice. You know, just going to the store, buying a few things, learning how just a few basic ingredients can open up sort of a world of wonderful foods that you can eat. Um, Certainly food 
messages like, you know, eating local and eating organic are wonderful sort of where you can do them. Local food tends to be um, very, very fresh and, and wonderful. And, you know, you can support your local farmers um, and keep sort of your dollars in the community nearby, you know, support the people that are nearby and, and that you have a real relationship with. And that's a wonderful thing. And eating organic, um, organic farming is better for the environment. And that's an extraordinary thing to uh, be able to contribute to. And all of these things are good to have. But ultimately, you know, it, I think the simplest thing is to just get into the kitchen and to start learning about yourself and what you enjoy and to know that, um, you know, you're in control and, and try not to overthink it too much. We're talking with Leanne Brown. Her book is Good and Cheap, Eat Well and $4 a Day. You're welcome to join the conversation. We're opening the phone lines now. It's toll-free 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Perhaps you have a recipe you'd like to share or an experience, and uh, we'd love to have you join the program, 1-800-826-1495. Uh, you can join us by email as well to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Uh, um, I want to turn to this uh, blog post. You can find this at leannebrown.com. And uh, so Amy Gonzalez uh, is the guest poster, and she's talking about a program called Almas. She says, Robert Hansen, since 2001, had a concept. What of his Latino high school students had a way to contribute positively to their community and thereby disprove the negative stereotypes that surround them daily? And his uh, idea became Anglos Latinos Motivados a Superarse Almas. And uh, so there, the, the kids are, I guess, uh, pumped up about your book. Part of the class is learning how to make traditional foods healthier. Amy goes on to say, it's also about how to find time and means to cook good food. Instead of eating fast food or not eating at all, is sometimes the case for busy high schoolers or families getting by below the poverty line. So I think that's the main principle you're trying to trying to get out to. We can, we can take time to cook, and it'll make us healthier, and... Uh, and uh, we can incorporate traditional elements into this. Absolutely, and it's a good in and of itself. And I think you're, you know, and if you're concerned about, partic- you know, maybe you have, uh, I hear from people who have certain health concerns who might want to, you know, go lower salt or lower fat, you can absolutely do those things when you cook for yourself. Whereas when you're buying packaged foods and um, dealing with more processed ingredients, you know, you don't have as much control over that. So it can be really freeing um, in an incredible, in many ways. It just, it does take up a little bit more time, but as those high schoolers can attest, it's time that can be really enjoyable if you think about it in just the right way. Um, rather than thinking of cooking as this, you know, terrible chore, it can be this thing that really can improve your life. I know um, a story that really touched me. I hear from people all the time. They share the sweetest stories with me um, about uh, about the cookbook, about their experiences. Sometimes people will open up to me about the most amazing things. I had a woman write to me a few weeks ago, um, and it really stuck with me. She told me that she had has been on um, disability for a long time, and she's been she was living with someone um, who was a caretaker. But she'd recently moved out on her own, and uh, you know she doesn't have very much money to work with, and she was really worried about uh, providing food for herself. But she came across the book and really enjoyed it. And at that point, she told me that she'd made the Mexican street corn, which is one of uh, you know, very simple dish. You just take corn on the cob, stick it under the broiler on the grill, 
and you slather it in um, a little bit of mayonnaise and a little bit of cheese, chili powder, and you squeeze lime wedges over the top. It's absolutely delicious and very simple. And she'd made that for herself, and she told me um, that it, you know, it was so delicious that it made her cry. And she said, you know, it was not only that it was delicious, but that she'd made it herself, and she felt powerful and able to take care of herself again. And I think that that's something that cooking does that eating alone can't do. I was asked um, recently if I liked cooking or eating more, and it was a very difficult question because, of course, I absolutely love eating. But I realized that for sort of peace of mind, for really feeling better and more whole, I prefer cooking. If I can take that moment to sort of breathe, take a little bit of time, make something that is exactly what I want it to be um, and enjoy it, I will feel better and more at peace than even just what simply eating can do. Mm-hmm. What about uh, one objection that I could, that I would have is am I gonna, mm-hmm. am I going to be all day in the kitchen I, because I don't think I share your right. <laughs> love of the process. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if I jumped in, I would. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, can we do some fast dishes? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? There's so many really quick things. I think that's the thing is people think from scratch cooking somehow automatically means hours and hours in the kitchen. And certainly, you know, if you're making all fresh tortillas, you're, you know, making these stews that take a really long time, um, you're doing, if you make certain choices, it will take you all day in the kitchen. But there are so many ways to do things where, like, for example, I have this whole section that's called big batch cooking, and that's really to encourage people to make sort of a large quantity of one thing, sort of have it throughout the week. Um, I also have uh, things like (laughs) very untraditional cookbook things, like I have this section called Stuff on Toast, and that was sort of born out of... um, the, our sort of need to get things done really quickly. And often when you live by yourself, it was born out of sort of the quick cooking needs and also uh, for people who are just on their own. When, you know, there's only one person to cook for, you don't necessarily want to be making, you know, a big bowl of soup or stew. You don't want to be um, sauteing things for hours or roasting things for hours. You just want a quick meal for yourself that it tastes good. And stuff on toast is sort of this wonderful way to take, um, you know, some vegetables, some leftovers, some um, some beans, some um, whatever it may be. I have all kinds of things from, you know, Korean spinach to broccoli on toast and um, leftover beans on toast, all kinds of wonderful things. Um, you can take those and make them into a really, really satisfying meal that actually feels special um, because it's different, actually, cooking for one than it is cooking for, um, for a family or for large quantities. And uh, and I wanted everyone to sort of be able to recognize their own situation and to get something useful from it. Um, but, you know, things like the Mexican street corn that I just mentioned, all sorts of quick ways to cook vegetables. Um, they're even making, you know, a pot of jambalaya is one of the recipes in the book. But it's really, um, you chop up some vegetables, you saute those for a bit, and then you pour in rice and uh, stock or, uh, or water, and you let it cook. And really, we're talking about the time it takes to cook rice. It's really not a huge deal. Um, and you can have this really wonderful dish at the end of it, you know, jambalaya. This is this thing that people pay top dollar for in their restaurants. And, um, you know, that's incredibly satisfying. So absolutely, if, if you don't want to be spending huge amounts of time in the kitchen, um, that is completely doable. But you have to be patient with yourself as well. The first, if you're really new to the kitchen, um, it will take you a little longer. 
than it will later on, you know, because you'll be thinking, where is everything, and how do I do this, and you'll be a little bit slow at chopping, and you'll be a little bit nervous, and you'll probably be looking over the instructions a few times, but that's all okay, you know, everything takes time, and, and things worth, the things that are the most worth doing in our lives usually take a little bit of time uh, to get used to them, but it's totally worth it. Uh, tell me about uh, broccoli egg and cheddar empanadas. I love empanadas. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> well, so that's, um, again, I'm sort of obsessed with uh, these sort of uh, parcel foods. I think I have calzones in here. I have dumplings as well. Um, so the empanadas are a, you know, a lot of empanadas are full of meat, and, and that's great. I think, you know, the most traditional are usually these lovely beef empanadas. But I wanted to make something that um, that would be very inexpensive but still really really satisfying. And so a, a lot of menus have a broccoli and cheese empanada, at least in here in North America. Um, and that's wonderful. But I thought that if we could add uh, some more egg to it, um, it would be a bit more of a sort of breakfast empanada and really, really satisfying and really rich and delicious as well, but still very inexpensive. Um, one of the things I always encourage people to do is um, to buy eggs when they're at the grocery store, because if you have eggs in your fridge, you know, speaking for yourself, Tom, you know, if you maybe don't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen, uh, your go-to meal should be just a very quick egg scramble with some random, you know, whatever happens to be in season right now, vegetables, um, maybe throw it into a tortilla. Um, that can be an incredible, very, very quick meal, and you're sort of never having to worry that you're going to be hungry if you have eggs in the fridge. And uh, so that really, you know, this is sort of a really a big, beautiful broccoli egg cheese scramble stuffed into a wonderful empanada so that you can um, grab it on the go or take it for lunch um, or just enjoy it on a beautiful sunny day. Let's go to an email, which is uh, which is coming in here. Um, get to the email here. Um, this is a uh, St. George emailer who says, I'm constantly altering my food focus as I feel there is constantly a new and improved agenda. Buy local, buy organic, buy frozen, buy whole, buy sustainable, as we talked about before. A new trend that has caught my eye is the food delivery services. Purchasing packages online that deliver groceries, recipe, and inevitably a gourmet home-cooked meal. However, meals can cost up to $9 a meal, which is more comparable to eating out than eating in. Uh, and uh, how whole can this option be? How local can these foods be? What resources are being wasted to deliver these grocery-to-meal packages to your door? Uh, and then she goes on to ask, uh, how do you think these services have the same goal as you, or is it the wealthy man's good and cheap? And furthermore, how do we narrow in on the agenda? What's most important? Well, I mean, I'm not sure. It's difficult for me to say if they have the same goals as me. Um, I think, you know, I think that's probably uh, for them to say. Um, ultimately, I think it's interesting. I think that there is uh, what those meal planning things, I think a lot of them... Um, the ones I'm familiar with anyway, certainly there are those that do simply deliver a whole meal, you know, and in that sense, maybe they're not very different from takeout. But there are a lot that actually deliver the sort of components of a meal and then have uh, the person preparing the meal out of those components for themselves. So it's really what they've done is take away the shopping part of the equation of home cooking, which is, I think, really kind of interesting and I think an important point. I think Often when we talk about home cooking, scratch cooking, all these kinds of things, we don't remember that 
so much of the effort really is around shopping and making sure that you have a pantry, making sure that you have the foods that you need in order to make those food, get those foods on the table. Um, it's really fascinating to me that so many of these have popped up um, where that really show that there's this desire many people have a desire to have a comb cooked meal and even don't mind preparing it themselves don't mind spending that time what the time they don't really want to spend the time they don't particularly value is getting all the components together you know making those decisions and i think that is really interesting and really telling about sort of what the bigger struggle with cooking is i think it's not always in the kitchen it's not actually being um you know finding that time uh, to cook, it's finding the time to get all the food that you need. Get it home to yourself. You know, if you don't have a vehicle or you don't have ready access to a grocery store, as we were talking about earlier in the program, it can become that much more difficult. Even if you do have great access, what if you work, you know, two jobs? Or what if, you know, one job but you have a lot of other commitments? It's um, It can be very difficult simply to get that food into your house so that you can then get it on the table. And I think for a lot of people, then there's the whole other barrier of, what do I choose? What should I eat today? You know, And you have to sort of run the gauntlet of all those conflicting messages again. What is the right thing for me to eat? Um, you know, Even if I am able to get to the grocery store, what should I buy? Um, these, those, uh, those services take away that uncertainty. And so I think that's what people are paying for. And it's fascinating that people are willing to pay for that. Um, and I think it speaks to a particular need that we need to address. And I, I would say that cooking should be taught in schools. And I think that further to that, shopping, you know, learning how, how to buy things, how to build a pantry um, should be taught in schools. I remember when I was first on my own, I cooked a lot growing up. I was in a wonderful family um, that uh, was very encouraging of, of my cooking. And, and I would cook all the time as a teenager. But when I was on my own, I remember suddenly thinking, okay, well, I know how to cook, but what should I actually buy? You know, it was stressful. I had very little money because I was, you know, I was a student, and uh, I remember thinking, what should I have in my house? And uh, now that I, or in my apartment, now that I um, am cooking for myself, I didn't have sort of my parents' pantry to raid whenever I wanted to make food. And that was, um, that was a big adjustment. I think that was a bigger adjustment than learning how to cook, and um, it's something that we should really try to address and be honest about and be open about and be aware that that is, you know, that's 50% of the battle when it comes to cooking and eating. Uh, let's take another break when we come back more with Leanne Brown. The book is Good and Cheap, Eat Well on $4 a Day. Leanne Brown is uh, coming to Salt Lake City. It's an event at the King's English Bookshop, Thursday, September 17th at 7 p.m. And remember that uh, for every book that you buy, they're donating a book to someone who needs it. And they're partnering with the Anti-Hunger Action Committee at the Crossroads Urban Center and uh, Salt Lake Community Action Partnership Head Start. Uh, just one example, and uh, many cities around the U.S. are doing these uh, the same things. Uh, Leanne Brown is uh, partnering with them to, to get uh, free books into the hands of those who need it. Uh, so they can learn how to eat well on $4 a day. By the way, $4 a day, if you're just joining us, uh, that is the amount that, uh, per person per day um, that is provided through the SNAP or U.S. government food stamp program. But uh, many others, of course, are on a similar kind of a budget. And uh, Leon Brown says that kitchen skill, not budget, is the key to great food. More following the break. 
Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members, and support for the Utah StoryCorps Project is made possible by our members and the Utah State University Alumni Association. Maintaining connections through programs and facilities like the Swanner Eco Center in Park City, where visitors can experience the natural world and take part in numerous earth-friendly activities. And the Utah Shakespeare Festival, featuring Henry IV Part II in the Outdoor Shakespearean Theater as part of the festival experience. More information at bard.org. It's scary out there. We know that. The Dow going crazy, China doing who knows what. So here's what we're going to do. Next time on Marketplace, another way to think about all this volatility from the guy who invented the volatility index. What this is all going to mean for U.S. businesses, both big and small. And of course, the rest of the day's business news and, oh yeah, the numbers from Wall Street. It's all from APM. Wednesday night at 6.30 here on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, talking with Leanne Brown, uh, who when she uh, went to a grad school in New York, um, New York University, studying food studies, she couldn't help noticing the big problem of food insecurity. 46 million Americans have to survive on $4 a day. That's the amount provided through the uh, SNAP or U.S. government food stamp program. In addition, millions more live under similar constraints, and uh, so she wondered uh, how well can someone really eat on $4 a day. She uh, determined that uh, you can. You can do it. The key is kitchen skill, not budget. So, Leanne Brown, you were uh, talking before the break about uh, the fact you you thought uh, kids ought to learn this in school. Uh, Not a bad idea. That... that, uh, uh, provoked a, a memory. Actually, we'll be seeing this again this week. Um, if you go to the supermarket early in the semester, we're in Logan here, the site of uh, Utah State University. This probably plays out in many areas around the country where you have college town. You'll see packs of uh, young women. These are uh, generally, I think, you know, freshmen um, women who've, who've now met their new roommates and determined we're going to share cooking duties. And so they're going, they're, they're going <laughs> right. to shop yeah. together. It's, it's adorable. Um, Absolutely. You, you don't see it later in the semester. And I always wonder what, what happened. Uh, there was a falling out perhaps, or, but, uh, and, and the young men don't do this. So there's oh, a kind of funny. a gender. I had never thought about g- that. Yeah. <laughs> gender gap. Maybe they're just not going together. Maybe often. they're just not going together. That's Their right. schedules don't that's yeah. right. It would, it would not be cool for them. Maybe. I think that's a really great point. Well, and, you know, that's a great opportunity, I think, for those who are lucky enough to be able to go to college and, and sort of live with new roommates. I think that is a wonderful experience. Um, and to be able to sort of negotiate sort of for the first time, you know, what are my likes and dislikes and how are we going to share this and how are we going to um, tackle this? I remember one of the, when the book first became popular on uh, Reddit, I, this one fellow wrote to me and said, uh, yeah, I'm going back to school, uh, and it's I'm actually having to, because I'm going back to school, I'm having to work fewer hours at my job, and I have to go on food stamps for the first time in my life. He's in his, his early 20s, this fellow. And he said, you know, that he was terrified that he was just going to be eating nothing but ramen because um, that's sort of the <laughs> that's sort of the cliche of what people think. And um, and he saw the book and and was just relieved, thinking, oh, everything is going to be okay. I'm still going to be able to eat good food. It's going to be all right. And I've since followed up with him, and he's been doing just fine. Um, But I think that is, you know, that's a reality um, for 
so many college students as well all the time. And what's interesting is college students often also have one of the other big barriers to, to cooking, which is that they don't always have access to a kitchen or a proper kitchen. You know, there might be this sort of communal space. There isn't necessarily the area to um, to sort of keep, you know, a, a well-stocked pantry. You're sort of stuck doing things a little bit haphazard. And, um, you know, that can be really challenging. And certainly it's not always a way to sort of get really good lifelong food and shopping habits sort of started. It can be kind of difficult. You have in your book um, groceries you won't regret buying. So for those oh, college yeah. students, or for the rest of us, <laughs> what what are, you know? Maybe not the whole list, obviously, but what would be the key in in that list of? Uh, sure. When, well, when you go to the so store? I think it's just about. I, I mean, I think I talked to death already about eggs and how important I think those are. Um, if that's something that you enjoy, it's a really great, inexpensive source of protein. Um, in general, you know, when you're on four dollars a day, I think it's difficult to eat maybe the amount of meat that is sort of uh, considered typical for the American diet. You know, meat can't always be the center of the plate because it's very expensive. Um, however, you know, you can still have uh, small amounts of it, but it should be a part of, um, a, you know, a part of a larger dish rather than the center of the plate. And so that would, you know, be in that category. I also think, you know, things like peanut butter are great for not just uh you know, not just the obvious peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but there's all kinds of other recipes, you know, savory things like peanut sauce. Um, you can use them in cooking and in stir fries, as well as I have this wonderful recipe for peanut butter and jelly granola bars um, that I actually developed sort of thinking about people who are maybe visiting a food pantry. Um, and most often, there are certain things that are there that are um, almost always given to you, and those things are oats and usually peanut butter and usually jam. And uh, so you might be eating oatmeal and you might be having peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but if you want something different, you can make uh, peanut butter and jelly granola bar, which is really delicious. Um, so peanut butter, you know, has incredible value. Um, dairy, I tend to suggest that people use butter um, rather than sort of buying a variety of oils and things like that because butter is all-purpose. It not only is wonderful to cook with and you have, it provides great flavor. You don't need to use as much because it has so much flavor, um, but it has, you know, you can use it in baking and in all this, these things, whereas sometimes uh, oils, buying a really large uh, jar of it, when it, which is the best value, can sometimes be a bit expensive, whereas butter um, can be uh, a little bit more valuable there. And then... Um, things like yogurt, all kinds of, I mean, vegetable, for me, I think the vegetable category, I have, uh, you know, a bunch of suggestions, but really it's whatever's in season. And then things like, I think, onions and garlic and, you know, your sort of carrots, celery, peppers, these sorts of things that you're always going to want to have in soup and that have so many uses. You should definitely pick those up. And they're also very inexpensive. And then for fruits, I'd say, you know, bananas uh, are incredibly good value, um, and you can, of course, eat them as a very quick snack or use them in all kinds of baking, and they're tremendous, and you can freeze them and still bake with them. I mean, they're great. And then, you know, things like apples and oranges and melons, and then, for me, uh, lemons and limes are really, really important because uh, they add so much flavor to other dishes. They have such great culinary use. And then bread. You know, I think bread and other um rices and, and grains and things like that are always really great to have around because they can last and be used in so many ways um, and uh, sort of make the most out of other types of things. So, um, yeah, anyway, those are just a few. I don't know if you want me to go. No, no, that's great. That's great. I want to move over to leftovers. Uh, this is uh, after my own heart. I, I tend to like, you know, 
large large meal, and then you and then you eat it for a while. You don't have to go back to the kitchen. Um, but uh, one that caught my eye: reinvigorate veggies. If you got some veggies that look past their prime, you have several recipes that could use those. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, what I mentioned earlier, you know, making scrambled eggs or uh, one of my other favorites is I have this wonderful uh, vegetable quiche uh, sort of without the crust. It, the crust is instead this uh, blanket of um, or this layer of caramelized onions that when you cook it in the oven, it sort of crisps up and almost becomes crust-like. But basically what that is is just, you know, an egg custard, a, a quiche um, suspe- with uh, vegetables suspended in it. And that's such a great place to use the sort of leftovers at the end of the week when, you know, you've made a bunch of things, you had plans for all these vegetables, but you end up with like half a tomato here and like some sort of wilting spinach or something like that. You know, like a weird, like just the end of one carrot, you know, think those sorts of things that happen all the time. And then when you look in your refrigerator, you sort of go, what, what am I supposed to do with these things? Um, that is such a great sort of dumping ground for them is this wonderful quiche because ultimately you have this gorgeous, um, this gorgeous meal, um, this lovely wedge of this fabulous thing that we think of as sort of a fancier meal, but it really is just this great way to reuse leftovers. And, um, yeah, I just strongly encourage everyone to, you know, before you sort of run off to the store and say, I don't have anything in the fridge, look in there and see what you actually do have. You know, certainly don't, if something is got brown liquid coming from it or something like that, <laughs> yes, okay, get rid of it. Um, but if it's just looking a little bit past its prime, greens, you know, you may not be able to eat it in a salad, but you can saute it with some garlic and squeeze some lemon juice on it or roast it um, and still make um, a wonderful, wonderful meal out of it, let alone, you know, things like soup where obviously, uh, the wiltiness can kind of disappear. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, that's so much of the, if we're talking about $4 a day, it's really not much money and there, there just isn't room for waste. And so we sort of have to develop, uh, these habits, like, um, making sure that we just use every last bit of everything that we have to its fullest extent. Um, and that can be hopefully, you know, a pleasure. You have a recipe. Tell me about this one. Uh, vegetable quiche, hold the crust. Oh, yeah. So that was the one that I was just mentioning. Okay. Has, um, yeah. I think it's a great way to reuse leftovers. You use leftovers. It, yeah. Um, okay. It has the onion layer. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, sound, that sounds great. Um, maybe you pick up. Oh, here's one that just caught my eye. And, and this, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering, obviously you can do it on $4. Beef stroganoff. Yeah, so beef stroganoff, I mean, it wouldn't be an everyday meal. I think that um, anything with, you know, large amounts of meat is going to be something that's maybe more like once a week, once every few weeks kind of a thing. But it's absolutely doable because beef stroganoff is used, um, or at at least this one, uh, you use a pretty tough cut of meat like beef chuck, which is actually fairly inexpensive. Um, And uh, beef stroganoff is actually sort of a classic budget meal, um, really sort of, I think, invented to stretch um, to stretch meat uh, across a, a few dishes. It's really, you know, there's beef in it, and it's a very important part of it, but there's also um, a huge list of other ingredients. There's pasta, and there's a lot of other vegetables, and this lovely sauce that sort of brings it all together and makes it feel like this incredibly rich, you know, beefy meal, the mushrooms. You know, mushrooms have this incredible meaty quality to it. And so um, it can kind of make you feel like you're really having, you know, this big, super rich, wintry meal, um, when in fact you're having, you know, a pretty balanced meal of a little bit of meat, quite a lot of vegetables, a little bit of pasta, um, all sort of come together. 
And just a reminder, you can uh, find all these recipes, of course, in the book, Good and Cheap, Eat Well in $4 a Day. And also, uh, a lot of the recipes are on uh, on the website, leannebrown.com. Here's an email from Brittany and Logan, who says, I wanted to share my favorite go-to food, smoothies. By purchasing about $10 Yay. worth of ingredients, I can have a week's worth of smoothies, frozen fruit, bananas, spinach, peppers, almond milk, avocado, and a juiced orange. Uh, Leanne, I can't wait to get my own copy. Love how applicable to students this is. Thank you, says Brittany. That's wonderful. And I totally agree. I absolutely love smoothies. They're fantastic. If you have a nice blender, um, it can be, it's such a great go-to meal. And she's absolutely right. Like frozen fruits can often, you know, sometimes they can be expensive, but often um, they can be very reasonably priced. And of course, they last for a long time. And it's a wonderful, satisfying breakfast. I know actually one of my favorite smoothies is kind of a weird one. At this time of year, um, when watermelons and other melons are, are in season, I like to buy a giant watermelon. And of course, it's just my husband and I, so we usually can't eat the whole watermelon uh, sort of before uh, it would go off. Um, And so I usually will eat about half of it, and then the other half I'll cube and put in the freezer, and then um, the freezing of the watermelon really does change the texture. They're really mushy if you try to um, defrost them. But if you throw them into a blender, you know, these frozen chunks of melon, um, blitz them up, they make the most extraordinary smoothie. Um, It's really like a it's much more like a kind of slurpy, like consistency or slushy, um, really, really, really good sort mm. of fun. Um, and, I mean, if you want to make it a more adult beverage, of course, you could add a shot or two of something else. But um, they're absolutely, uh, th- that's sort of a little bit of a different one, and I absolutely love it. Um, blenders are great. And you've got some of these uh, drinks and desserts in the book as well. The book is uh, Good and Cheap, Eat Well on $4 a Day. The website is leannebrown.com. And uh, Leanne Brown is coming to Utah. She'll be at King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City on Thursday, September 17th, 7 o'clock. Leanne Brown, it's uh, been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been really fun. And uh, coming up tomorrow, we'll uh, look at the life of uh, um, Joe Hill, a labor icon with uh, Salt Lake Tribune uh, reporters. That's uh, tomorrow. Hope you'll join us then. What is a subject that you are passionate about? What do you know more about than most? Utah Public Radio wants you to share your knowledge and become a source for the Utah Public Insight Network, a new collaborative effort between UPR and the Salt Lake Tribune. Information you share could help our reporters create more in-depth stories on the things that you care about or more meaningful discussion on our flagship program, Access Utah. Become a source today. Join UPIN. For more information, visit us online at upr.org. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan. A service of the College of Humanities and Social Science at Utah State University, this is Utah Public Radio. The time now is 10 o'clock.